Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Uh, Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, uh, we have uh, Scott Hansen with us, um, and he's the author of the book, Restoring Your Historic Home. Um, Scott, tell me about your, your background. Uh, Well, I grew up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, where there are many historic buildings, and one in particular that always fascinated me was the abandoned Boston and Maine Railroad Station sitting in the middle of my little New England village. Um, Throughout my childhood, uh, it um, early childhood, it just sat there with peeling paint and um, passenger service had stopped before I was born. And it's a, a really spectacular uh, Victorian era railroad station. And when I was 11, I noticed some activity happening around the building. Um, the broken glass was getting raked up, and sometimes uh, I would see smoke coming out of the chimney, like someone was in there. <laughs> uh, so um, it, the the station was next door to the post office where my grandfather worked. And one day when I was downtown and had gone into the post office to say hello to my grandfather, I looked over and saw the door open at the railroad station and went over and introduced myself to the man who was there uh, working on it. And I became a volunteer at what became the Conway Scenic Railroad in North Conway, New Hampshire. And so my first introduction to historic preservation was uh, that project. Um, And I helped work on the buildings. I helped work on a steam locomotive and railroad equipment and um, had this amazing opportunity to learn from a really diverse group of individuals who were interested both in railroads and historic preservation. Right. And it was just a a wonderful introduction um, to the field, uh, working with some uh, amazing, uh, particularly the old railroad guys um, who could fix anything um, (laughs) with with just this amazing uh, body of knowledge in their heads. Um, and a really practical, down-to-earth, let's-get-it-done approach um, that came out of their railroading background. Uh, So that's where I got my start. 
And um, then I pursued an education in art and design at Pratt Institute in New York after high school. And while poking around the Pratt Library, I discovered architectural history as a field. Um, not just, oh, wow, that's a great old building, but, oh, wow, I can identify what style that building is and what its right. features are and and fit it into a progression of styles over time. And uh, so that that provided the beginning of an academic foundation for my interest. And um, over time, uh, I just followed those interests to become a carpenter and a designer and a painter. Um, and um, through the years, just uh, built up a body of knowledge um, about historic buildings, how they're put together, what awful things get done to them over time, <laughs> how to undo those awful things. Right. Um, and eventually uh, worked as a municipal um, planning department employee um, administering the historic preservation ordinance for the city of Portland, Maine. Um, okay. And from there, eventually uh, became a historic preservation consultant, which is what I've done for the past decade uh, while writing a few books along the way. Well, that that's an interesting and diverse background, but I think it's pretty typical for people who, at least that seems more often than not, people that I, I encounter in preservation where they, you know, fall in love with, with older buildings and then they kind of figure out a way to make that, you know, work to make money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I know you mentioned that you you've written um, several books, but tell tell me about your newest book, the uh, Restoring Your Older Home. Um, restoring your historic house. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it the uh, wrong name. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, more th more than happy to correct that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I it's really bad because I'm sitting here looking at it and <laughs> I'm just reading the wrong words. <laughs> um, so, restoring your historic house: the comprehensive guide for homeowners. Uh, is a book that I waited 30 years for someone else to write. <laughs> um, when I got involved in the field, I went looking for a really comprehensive guide to restoring historic houses. Um, and uh, there are a lot of books out there on the topic, um, but I never could find the one that really comprehensively address the subject. Um, you know, a lot of the ones that are out there are very good in a particular part of the process um, or provide great information if you want to turn a historic house into a new house. Um, right. But there was really nothing um, comparable to um, Michael Litchfield's Renovation, A Complete Guide, which is a really wonderful resource for renovating any house, whether right. it's old or not. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, 30 years of waiting, uh, it occurred <laughs> to me that I could write it. Um, right. And I had recently completed uh, a book um, called Homes Down East. Uh, which I co-wrote with the main stage historian and uh, a local architect that was focused on historic houses um, here in Maine. And when that book was finished, the publisher came to me and said, so what other ideas have you got? And uh, I had several, but the one he really focused in on was the comprehensive guide for restoring yes. historic yeah. houses. And um, so we talked about it. I drafted an outline. We negotiated a contract. And um, and I started what I did not know was going to be a four-and-a-half-year <laughs> process. I can believe it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to end up with a 720-page hardcover book. Um, yes, yeah. The publisher was wonderful to work with. They're Tilbury House here in Maine, um, and uh, arranged for the book to be distributed by W. W. Norton, so it, a major national publisher, so it would, you know, reach all parts of the country. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, I, I spent four and a half years. Um, putting together writing uh, and putting together um, a volume that I'm really pleased with. And people are, are definitely responding to very positively. Uh, it just came out in December. The first printing uh, pre-orders were such that the second printing was um, ordered before oh, that's great. the release yeah. date. Um, and so the, the second printing is underway. And uh, the book um, this week, uh, much of the week, has been number one in the historic preservation category on Amazon. Um, and it's, it's just selling really well. And people are, you know, letting me know that they're very happy with it. So. Yes. Well, and and you did send me a, a copy of the file so that I could review it for the podcast, and I was I was very impressed, and I was I I could just imagine how much time went into it when I saw you know the size of it. So I can't I I'm I'm ex I need to put it on my list to to order um to have a have a hard copy, but I can't imagine how how big it is. I'm gonna have to find space on my book my bookcase for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I really like that you have, like, you highlight different geographic areas so you didn't just focus on one area of the country because even though the old houses were put together similarly, there were, you know, geographic differences with, with the mm -hmm. styles. And the and so I, I thought that was really, really good. And I thought that one thing that I do when we do presentations um, is try to make sure the vocabulary, we're all speaking the same language. So, yeah, and so I thought it was good that you talked about, you know, rehabilitation versus restoration, because most people don't really want to restore a building. I mean, they, they think they do, but mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't want to take it back to, to where it was, you know, before there was, before there were modern, modern conveniences. <laughs> 
So, and then, um, so I thought that I, I really, I really enjoyed that. And then the review, when I first saw, saw your, or became aware of your book, um, the, uh, the review that I read highlighted that it prioritized the identification and preservation of the historic character defining features of a house as a starting point of the process. And I think that's really smart because, you know, some, if, if all of those features are removed, you don't really have a historic building anymore. You, you, you just have like an old building that somebody has ripped everything out of. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, but is, is that the reason that you took that approach to make that more accessible to homeowners or what, what was your vision with how you, how you approach that? Um, well, several things played into that. Um, one is, um, although I watch very little television, I'm aware that there are a number of shows out there that really encourage people to buy an old house and gut it and essentially right. put a new house into it. And, um, you know, and, and as a preservationist, uh, I have some concerns about that approach. Right. Uh, and, unless, a house, and, unless a house is already significantly altered. Right. Um, and in my work as a preservation consultant, um, uh, I do a number of historic tax credit projects every year. That's what I was going to ask you. The, the, I mean, the tax credits do deal with the whole whole package, but like, do you think some of the historic um, preservation guidelines for like a, a, a the historic district uh, contribute to the gutting because they can't change the the outside? Um, um, well, there there are a couple of things in play there. Mm -hmm. um, the the work I do with the historic tax credits require that the project follow the Secretary of the Interior standards, right. which start with identifying the historic characteristics. That's so true. That's, yeah, that's where yeah. that comes from. Yeah, um, and homeowners do not need to follow those standards and I, I don't right. recommend that they do, but I think they can provide excellent guidance. Um, local historic district regulations are a separate but related um, topic. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. I don't believe that they encourage the gutting of interiors um, because they don't address interiors. Right. Um, that, and that's what I was, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was thinking about. Um, you know, I think they, they provide regulation typically for parts of the exterior that are visible from a public way. Right. Um, so what someone does with the interior of their house in a local historic district is not affected by the ordinance. Um, they right. can restore it. Um, to its exact original appearance if they want right. um, or they can gut it and, and the local ordinance doesn't really play into that decision. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you on that. I know that there's sections of Philadelphia where the we've worked on one house in particular in a block where the whole, the whole, every other house on the block, even though it's in the historic district has been gutted, but their house is like the only one with the original interior mm -hmm. also. And it is, it's, 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 it, I think that that, 
people do. They want they they want to live in the historic neighborhood, but they don't necessarily want an older house, which is something that you talk about in your book too. Is you know finding the right house for you, and I think sometimes people need better guidance with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there are yeah. lots of historic houses that have already had their interiors gutted or so dramatically altered that there's almost no historic fabric left to right. be concerned yeah. about. And those houses are perfect for the person who wants a house that looks historic outside but wants a really contemporary interior. Um, you know, I just would encourage them not to buy a really intact historic house right. and then gut it. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, so do you um, I, have you I know you've done uh, at least a few book signings. I know you came to uh, York, Pennsylvania to do one. Um, have you gotten feedback from homeowners or mostly like preservation professionals? Like, are you are you feeling like it's resonating with multiple people? Um, yeah, I'm I'm hearing um, primarily from homeowners, um, okay. you know, because most preservation professionals don't focus on the individual home market. Um, right. They're, you know, most professionals are working on commercial tax credit rehabs. Um, right. And, and so I'm hearing from lots of homeowners. Um, and okay. the book has a... Facebook page that's rapidly approaching 10,000 followers. Oh, that's exciting. And an Instagram uh, that also is growing rapidly. It's it's over 3,000. So through social media, I've got a lot of contact with um, home, homeowners who are um, buying the book and letting me know what they think of it. And and, and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, it's been very uh, gratifying. After four and a half years actually yeah. <laughs> working alone, thinking, I hope to God people like this book. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's going to pay attention. So, um, yeah, I, uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, I know that you've mentioned, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I know you've mentioned the federal tax credits, and one thing I noticed in the book was that you highlighted different projects. And the the project um, that was um, the picture that I saw of the promotion for the, the book or, and for your signing in York, Pennsylvania, was the S. Nevin Hinch House, uh, which was a yeah. Queen Anne-style house. And I noticed that you said that they put a bed and breakfast in to help offset the cost mm-hmm. of the project. Was that, um, and I thought that's really smart to try to show people you know, how you can, you know, preserve something and also, you know, make it make sense economically because oftentimes it doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so was that a federal tax credit project or was it just having, was that was that how, how they offset the cost? Um, in that case, they did not use historic okay. tax credit. Okay. Um, the, the retired couple who um, sold their home to save this house, um, uh-huh. actually didn't know historic tax credits were available at the time. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, that that house was under a demolition order from the city. It was in really terrible condition yeah. after decades of neglect. And uh, and they, they were just determined to save it. And 
uh, and figured out if we're going to save it, we need to have it make some money to (laughs) recover uh, some of those costs. And so that's how they determined to open the bed and breakfast. And, you know, they're a retired couple in a rather large house, so it also made sense to use right, some of the yeah. space. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, and, and it is one of 13 featured houses in the book. It happens to be the one that landed on the cover just because it's such a great-looking house. Um, but these 13 featured houses are between the how-to chapters. And they range in date from 1760 to 1957, and they range geographically from Maine to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they were all photographed by architectural photographer David Clough for the book. So Dave uh, and I traveled um, to each. um, I missed one of them, but he traveled to every one of these houses. Very cool, yeah. And and took really spectacular photos because I wanted people to see completed projects. I wanted them yes. to be able to be inspired by what other people have achieved and to hear those people's stories about how they saved their houses. I, I think that, that, that emotional and human connection is really... Because, yeah, it's easy to, like, just look at these pictures of projects that are done. But if you can understand what the people went through, it makes it seem a little bit more yeah. attainable. <laughs> so, and I did like that you included, you know, the mid-century modern, because uh, that typically is not something that is focused on in preservation. But it, it it's something that is a, it's out there because they are getting, they are old buildings now. And you know, it, meeting that meeting that fifty year threshold, <laughs> and they yeah. and and those materials weren't they're not the same as the materials that were used in the in the older older building. Um, yes. And so there, yeah, I, I I I did like that you included those. So um, I I I, I the overall, I just think that the book is is great, and I'm I'm glad that you were able to. Uh, come come on to the podcast with us today too. Um so I know that you have a wide variety of knowledge and and um experience within um restoration and preservation. Are there lessons that you have learned that you would like to share with the listeners? Uh I think the single most important lesson um I've learned from my own historic house, as well as working on many other historic buildings, is to take the time to understand what it is before planning your changes. Right. Um, you know, I I look back at when I bought my 1827 house um, 17 years ago, and If I had rushed ahead with some of the first ideas I had, uh, I would be living in regret today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and I'll I'll give you one example. Um, The front parlor uh, of the house has a small room behind it. And one of my first ideas was that I would remove the partition between them and make a larger parlor. Um, right. Fairly typical change someone might do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I did not rush ahead and do that. And 
a year later in conversation with uh, Richard Nylander, who's former director of the Society for the Preservation of New England Antiquities, now called Historic New England, and one of the leading experts on historic wallpapers in America, Richard identified that the wallpaper in the front parlor is an extremely rare 1830s American paper imitating a French paper and is <laughs> the only known example of it anywhere. That's so very had cool. I ripped yeah. out that wall, <laughs> um, you would have lost that. Yeah, an important wallpaper would have disappeared before I even knew what it was. Right. Yeah. Um, so that that to me was a really clarifying lesson in taking the time to understand what you're working with. Yeah. 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 That I I agree, and I think that. Yeah, I, it's kind of like move in, live with it a little bit, see how you're going to use the space before you decide you're going to make these changes because you don't, some of the things that you want to do might not be exactly how you'll use the space anyway. I think that's okay. something that I try to get people, like I, that, those are the questions I ask when I'm going out to, to visit people and see what, what projects they're thinking about. So what are the biggest challenges that you see in preservation? I think, um, fortunately, the preservation of historic homes seems to be growing. The interest in it and um, the number of people moving back to urban centers where right. many historic houses are located, um, you know, that, that there seems to be a trend toward preserving historic houses, which is wonderful. And I think the challenge is that many uh, or most of these people have not had access to good information to guide right. them in yeah, the process. I agree. And bad information is readily available. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that has is the big challenge is getting right. good information to the people who want to do a good job, um, but right. may not yeah. know how. And yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Okay, and so you kind of talked about the trends that you see that you know it's the increase is growing. Are there ways that you keep up with new information? Are there any resources that you that you tend to follow or or use? Um, well, I think there are uh, a a number of good resources out there. Um, Old House Journal magazine is. Mm -hmm. A classic. Uh, yes. It's been around since 1979. No one has ever done a better job of I agree. Yeah. providing good information to homeowners in particular. Uh, yeah. Their market, they're not targeting professionals, they're targeting right. the individual yeah. homeowner, and they do it very well. Um, there have been periods in their history where I think they've done it less well, uh, but they're back <laughs> yeah. under the editorship of Patricia Poor, who was one of the founding editors and original owners, and uh, I think she's got them back on track, and they are absolutely uh, an excellent resource um, yeah. for anyone tackling this, this challenge. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> okay. So how can someone contact you to purchase or purchase the book? How, is there? Um, well, I would uh, recommend that they, if they're on Facebook uh, or Instagram, find Restoring Your Historic House. Um, okay. And there I post daily um, new photos and information. And there are plenty of links there to my website which is okay. yourhistorichouse.com. Yeah. And uh, people can buy the book directly from me um, on the website. It's the okay. only place you can get a signed copy. Um, oh, very cool. I will, but I'll tell you, you can get a cheaper copy on Amazon. <laughs> um, I will. I will make sure that on our on our when we when we put the page up for the sure. podcast, I'll put I'll put all of that information on plus both links. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the 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 billionaires can afford to make less than the, the guy who wrote the book. So, yeah. um, but if you want a signed copy, you, you can get it directly from yourhistorichouse.com. Okay, very cool. Okay, and uh, is there anything that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? Um, I am um, doing book signings uh, okay. periodically. Um, currently, uh, mostly in northern New England. I'm looking at okay. possibly doing uh, a little bit of a tour down through the south in the fall. Um, okay. I hope to be out in Santa Fe in August and and hopefully can set up something out there at that point. Um, but all events uh, coming up are on the Facebook page. So That's what I was going to ask. So they're all on to, social media. Okay. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time and for um for um you know, writing this book and and doing that labor of love because I'm sure I'm sure there were times where it got hard, but I I appreciate it and I think it's a, I think it's a great resource. Well, thank you very much and and thank you for what you do to oh, get thank you. information out there. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.